Have you heard of American Wagyu? No. Well, I'm here to tell you it is some of the most sought after beef in the world and I can get you two free pounds. So our new friends at Good Ranchers are giving you two pounds of their American Wagyu burgers for free with my code Dana. So not only does Good Ranchers sell 100% American meat that is steakhouse quality, it is one of the best burgers on the market. And you'll find boxes like the Ranchers Classic, their best-selling combo of beef and chicken, or the new Prepper Kit. And with meat prices soaring, Good Ranchers will help you stock up. Have food security and save $25 on every box for life just with your subscription. So as long as you're subscribed, your price is not going to change. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation. Yeah, this offer is not going to last long. So visit GoodRanchers.com Dana to get a box of amazing American meat and get two pounds of free American Wagyu burgers plus free shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com Dana. GoodRanchers.com Dana. Dana. After Columbine, after Sandy Hook, after Charleston, after Orlando, after Las Vegas, after Parkland, nothing has been done. This time that can't be true. This time we, we must actually do something. The issue we face is one of conscience and common sense. For so many of you at home, I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. It's about not about vilifying gun owners. In fact, we believe we should be treating responsible gun owners as an example of how every gun owner should behave. I respect the culture and the tradition and the concerns of lawful gun owners. At the same time, the Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute. But it is absolute. I mean, shall not infringe is, is, is kind of a, shall not be infringed is kind of a big deal. Goodness. So, that was last night. I've been in crazy mode since yesterday. It's been a little nuts. So, welcome to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Friday. That was the president's address yesterday in which he was not really actually talking about anything new that's what i don't get like he wasn't sharing anything new he wasn't he wasn't giving any kind of new information it was just the same the same stuff over and over again and i don't exactly i don't my issue is i don't understand what the hell his point is because he's they don't have the votes in the senate we're going to get into all of this they don't have the votes in the senate to do what they need to do to to have full-on you know confiscation gun control all of this other stuff they just they just simply don't have the numbers to do it you have to have 60 they don't have that and his speech yesterday i mean this is just stuff we've heard from him before over and over again the same stuff no solutions notice that he didn't at all at any point in any of this discuss the hardening of schools or Anything. It wasn't, you know, he didn't talk about any of that stuff. There was no discussion of, you know, increasing in school security because previously, as you know, he has been opposed to that. He's been opposed to it. But he called for sweeping gun control and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're going to break all of this down today, including some of the legislation that I've, I've been watching. I was telling you about that Child Protection Act. And how the Child Protection Act is, 
I think they're going to probably try to break it up is what I think ultimately they're going to do. They're going to try to break it up. So we'll see. So anyway, the address that he gave, and I wanted to play you some key parts in it because the legislation that's being proposed, unfortunately, there are a couple of things in this that are, I think probably we're going to get some Republicans in on the red flag stuff and the age increase and all this jazz. And, but his address yesterday, I mean, President McUnity went out there and again, nothing, no, no, anything except the same old stuff. And then he said a bunch of falsehoods. So he was talking about what number did we, what number was that? A thousand and ten that we played coming in? Oh, it was 1,012. Okay, come in, if you would, with 1,010, because we have a, a lot of audio today. We need to ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. Strengthen background checks. Enact safe storage law and red flag laws. Repeal the immunity that protects gun manufacturers from liability. Address the mental health crisis deepening the trauma of gun violence and as a consequence of that violence. Okay, I want to get in. Here's the one thing I want to start with, because this is where I've seen a lot of Republicans kind of um, start to waver is age restrictions. So let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? Let's talk about the issue of age restrictions on all of this. The age that that they're talking about the age that they that they are looking at, because right now you have to be 21 to buy a handgun, uh, 18 for a long gun rifle, and they want to increase the age of both of these things. And I'm looking at the Child uh, the Protect Our Kids Act. I'm looking at some of the other stuff that they've that they're proposing. That doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. Because it's not about age. Evil doesn't have an age. There is no official age for evil. It's not like you, you know, turn a certain age and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're somehow um, either you're, you're, you're not inoculating yourself from the effects of evil by raising the age. First up. Secondly, doesn't it seem kind of arbitrary, this back and forth you know, uh, l- argument over when someone is is actually a an adult, because we sim- we it seems like we have a couple of different classes of adults. You know what I'm saying? Like we have a couple of we have some different ideas as to when someone becomes an adult, and it's just it's kind of it's kind of weird. But this is also most importantly about removing a right without due process. So he, he and I, I'm going to dive into that and we're going to kind of break it up throughout the program because he also spoke earlier today about the economy. And so that's a whole other thing that we have to address. So yesterday speaks about guns. It goes into all of this. He was saying that he said that the majority of the Senate Republicans don't want these proposals to be even debated. Well, that's not true because you have Lindsey Graham that's co-sponsoring a red flag. He co-sponsored red flag le- red legislation with Richard Blumenthal. So that's not true. That's not right lie. He, he co-sponsored this with Blumenthal. And he even said yesterday that he's willing to, you know, where did he put it? 
I responded to it. He, he I have so many tweets from these lawmakers. He was saying that uh, he was he was looking for common ground. He goes, quote, I stand ready to vote on all the proposals mentioned by the president tonight and encourage the Democrat leader, Democratic leader to bring them forward for votes. I also stand ready. This is Lindsey Graham to work across the aisle to find common ground, something that was absent from President Biden's address to the nation. OK, so vote how I think is the mil- is the million dollar question. So Biden's you know, saying these accusations that it's just Democrats that want to do something, that's, that's entirely not true. I mean, this is the president who, again, I can't stress the importance of, of absolutely nothing in, in his proposals, in his address last night, mentioning solutions that include school security, which is the big thing. None, none of them did. Nothing. There was nothing in that at all. And that and he's contradicting the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission and the Sandy Hook Commission. And they both concluded that, you know, SROs, the addition of SROs, as well as uh, uh, multiple layers of security are needed in order to protect our schools. He called for a number of things and we're going to get into the red flag stuff and I'm going to give you some receipts on ages coming up now. In addition, he spoke just a little bit ago about the economy. I got to play for you this audio sound by 24. This was just right before we came on air. Since I took office, families are carrying less debt. Their average savings are up. A recent survey from the Federal Reserve found that more Americans feel financially comfortable than any time since the survey began in 2013. Hmm. You don't believe him, Kane? No, I don't. You think he's lying? Yes, I do. Doesn't seem to be telling the truth there, does he? No. No, he doesn't. Doesn't at all. Hmm. No, he doesn't seem to be... He does not, doesn't seem like he's being completely honest here. So... Who believes it? No, nah, nobody believes that. We all have the invisible tax of Biden inflation. Not a single person believes this. Nobody believes what he's saying here. Not a single person. Nothing he's saying is true. And this is the the time that he's picking to go on vacation, too, by the way. He's at the beach. So his poll numbers are in the cellar. He's lined. He's gaslighting you about the economy. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. Not kind of. It was a lot ridiculous. Just telling you, no, it's all great. I mean, we did have. Let me pull this up. We the jobs numbers weren't good. I have a couple of things here about that. Not good at all. I mean, the in fact, were any kind of gain that he possibly could have gotten is already now we're on the other we're on the downturn of that the bureau of labor statistics bureau of labor statistics they i mean job growth i mean there's a lot of warning signals unemployment study goodness and wages are not increasing on the, at the same rate as so as to keep people on par with inflation None of the media spinning at a slower pace of hiring. None of this is good. Not a single bit. So, you know, I mean, he's going to go on vacation. Seems like the best time to go, right? You know, country circle in the drain. Even Obama's former chief economist in uh, Cut 1020. Yeah. He he even had to admit the truth. Yeah, hit us with that because he's, and this is, well, wait, sometimes I, when I, when I hear former Obama people criticize Biden, I'm like, just because you guys hate him they've always hated him but at the same time they withheld criticism of him kind of publicly before because you know he was the vp and they they knew that that would hurt obama because obama allowed him to be vp listen to this 
Yes, though, there, there's a huge puzzle that's happening in the job market right now that it's, that it's worth remarking on, which is for everyone saying that demand is high and we have an, a, a massively overheated labor market, wages are growing slower than prices. The, the profit margins of companies are increasing. So you would not think real wages would be going down if the job market's as tight as, as what some of the business leaders are saying. So I, I think that's a pretty significant puzzle. Hmm. Interesting. That's Austin Goolsby. Yeah, he's even criticizing this. Not good. And I think that's one of the reasons why Biden spoke about guns last night and then this morning gave a quick address about the economy. I mean, ultimately, that's, I think... Which is so dumb for them to. I mean, they they even have uh, their their consultants and other members of the party, uh, P, the K Street folks, saying, "Don't talk about this issue. Don't talk about this issue." Because you're you're you know one of the reasons why they're not successful in getting this stuff through the Senate because you have a lot of gun owning Democrats in purple states that don't like the idea of the government knowing everything that they have. We're going to talk about this in detail. After headlines, we got headlines coming up next. I'm going to break down for you the problems with, and this is one of, this and the red flag are the weakest things for certain Republicans in the Senate. And I'm going to break down, since we've talked about universal background checks and all that stuff, I'm going to break down why the age increase is wrong with a boatload of receipts. So you want to wait and make sure you tune in for that. That's coming up after headlines. Folks, how much control do you really have over your finances? So lately, we've seen an all-out assault on freedoms and liberties by the government. Mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, everybody trying to limit whether or not you can even go to a grocery store or restaurant. And we've seen how quickly the government can infringe on your personal freedoms, and they do the same with your finances. This is why I believe in diversifying with gold. Gold is physical. Gold is tangible and gold is safe from government control and gives you true control over your wealth, control that isn't tied to government regulated financial markets. The folks at Legacy Precious Metals are the gold standard when it comes to investing in precious metals and their team of experts can counsel you on the best options for you and your family. Take control of your financial situation and call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-580-2088 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so first up, we got here. I, this kind of makes me, I don't know if I believe this or not. 80% of delivery drivers admit to stealing a customer's food. Do you believe that? You do? Why do you believe that? Well, it's happened to me before. But that's like that's eighty percent though. There was this was a survey conducted by Circuit Root Planner. Somebody stole your food? Yeah. Who stole oh, yeah. what food was well, it? Was it was French fries. You know how they do it. They just like what grabbed a couple of fries out of the box. Yeah. Now it's been a while since I've done the DoorDash thing, but yeah, it's uh, it's a thing. I did. I I just this kind of freaks me out. They said of the drivers surveyed, 80% admitted to eating customers' deliveries, 23% purposefully purposely damaged packages, 17% stole food, 17% resealed boxes. That makes me, that's kind of, that's weird, man. 
That's not good. Man, that... Okay, now I'm going to, like, be suspicious over this. The number of Americans quitting their jobs remains near an all-time high. 4.4 million in April as job openings far exceed applicants still. And layoffs hit a record low as employers are clinging to their scarce workers. I know, that economy. You might as well just burn the Constitution while you're at it. Apparently, the company that does the Elvis weddings... The El- they're they're not doing the uh, the Elvis weddings in Vegas anymore. It's because it's Elvis's estate that's saying no more of this. The licensing company that controls the name and image of the king is ordering the Vegas chapel operators to stop u- stop using him in theme ceremonies. The Authentic Brains Group sent cease and desist letters in early May to multiple chapels, and they're expected to be compliant by now. That's they said that it's going to decimate businesses because it's so it is it absolutely will. I mean, is there a way that they could set up like some licensing fees or something for that instead of having to take it, you know, just like stop it altogether? I'm curious. We've got a whole bunch coming up, including why raising the age is wrong. I'll explain. I've talked a lot about the Caltech KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Caltech KSG? Well, like everything that Caltech invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for 3-inch shells. And with its dual-tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's 6 rounds in each tube, plus 1 chambered. If you prefer 2 and 3 quarter inch shells, even better, because the KSG holds 7 plus 7 plus 1. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C-Weapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We should also have national red flag laws so that a parent, a teacher, a counselor can flag for a court that a child, a student, a patient is exhibiting violent tendencies, threatening classmates, or experiencing suicidal thoughts that makes them a danger to themselves or to others. Nineteen states in the District of Columbia have red flag laws. The Delaware law is named after my son, Attorney General Bo Biden. Hmm. And how well have those laws been working? That's the thing. How, lo- how well have those laws been working? That's a million dollar question. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Friday. They haven't been. That's like, I mean, it's rhetorical. They haven't been working. They haven't been working because all of these states, in fact, these, I have some, there was a study that came out, the states that have actually the strictest regulations were, as it concerns gun control, these are the states that actually have uh, the highest homicide rates. I mean, that's, that's, and they also have like California, et cetera. These states all have those much discussed red flag laws. All of them do. The New Yorks, the New, the California, New Jersey, all of this. They all have it. Now, the I, I gave a speech yesterday for the 
Young Women's Leadership Summit. It is an event that is put on by uh, TPUSA. And put this, they put this, they, it's, a, it's a great event. And there were, I mean, it was just, there was all these women who are at this event. They all support, they're like us, all two-way rights, etc. And I was explaining Red Flag yesterday and the undermining of due process and how you have, that's what, what, I, what gets me, and this is, I don't hear a lot of lawmakers talking about this, and I wish Republican lawmakers actually would, would talk about the ways to have someone adjudicated ineligible to carry or to purchase, because we have ways that do that absolutely, that do not require the removal or diminishment of due process because the way it is right now is if you're a a danger to someone and what the way it is in most states if you are considered to be like a danger to yourself or someone else then you can be uh, called before a judge and then it's determined whether or not you know in fact you are and typically a mental health evaluation is involved I mean that's in fact always because we're talking about removing rights from people and these are rights that are difficult to restore So when you go before a judge and you get to face your accuser, you are made aware of what is happening and you can defend yourself. With red flag, that right is taken from you. With red flags, the way that California's and others work, the way that red flag works is that you are visited by law enforcement and then your property is removed. And then, after your property is removed, then you can go before a judge and you can plead your case. You can prove your innocence. So you're guilty until you prove your innocence with red flag. The way it is how we have it structured in our republic, you're innocent until proven guilty. With red flag, the penalty is administered and then you have to prove yourself innocent. I've, I've, one of the books that I wrote about this, and I think I, I wrote about this uh, specifically in, in Hands Off My Gun, and I think I also mentioned this in Flyover Nation too. And I'm, I had this study pulled up. And in, uh, on average, all these states that have passed like red flag laws, they tell people, oh, well, you know, you, in like a, you know, a few months you'll be able to have, or a few weeks you'll be able to have your rates restored and it's going to be fine, et cetera, et cetera. Typically, what it, what happens is on average, uh, some states have like a three to six months and you have to pay to go before a judge. You have to pay for the whole, for legal representation. You don't pay to go before a judge, but you do to bring a lawyer with you. Um, And if you're falsely accused, there's no punishment or penalty for people who are falsely accusing you. And it becomes incredibly, incredibly expensive for people to fight to to clear their name. That's completely the opposite way as to how our system is supposed to work. And as I've told people before, I want you to imagine, which you really won't have to imagine much because this is, you know, it's where we'll see it happen in other areas of law. This firearms is just a variable here. Imagine how this works with drugs, immigration, anything. Do we really want to do we really because the evidentiary standard for a lot of this is 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 ridiculously low. I, I know that's that's it's one of the most dangerous things that's been proposed, I think, in my lifetime. Now, as far as the age, the other thing that it looks like Democrats and Republicans, at least for some. It looks like 
there may be common ground that they find. I don't know on what. I'm, I mean, at least this is what Lindsey Graham is suggesting. The age, the, the proposal to increase the age of purchase is nonsensical. And it's nonsensical for a big reason. And that reason is evil doesn't have an age. So everyone's been discussing, you know, the potential of raising the age of purchase to 21 or raising it even to 25. And then some Republicans are like, okay, well, if we raise the age to vote, then too, if we just have uh, age, you know, voting, drinking and purchasing guns all at the same age, there you go. So I guess we're going to arbitrarily define what is or is an adult. Evil, as I said, doesn't have an age and age isn't the problem. These are people who chose to do evil things because they're evil people. The, I'm not going to say any of their names, but the Las Vegas killer was 64 years old. That was the worst mass casualty incident in our country's history. That's significant, correct, if we're going to talk about ages. The killer in Virginia Tech was 23. The killer who shot up a church in Sutherland Springs, who was allowed because they just messed up the paperwork that they later admitted to purchase his firearm, was 26. The killer in El Paso, and these are all within the past few years, killer in El Paso was 21. The killer at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, he was 29. The killer in a Thousand Oaks, Thousand Oaks killer was 28. The killers in San Bernardino were 29 and 28. The killer in Pittsburgh was 46. The Fort Hood killer was 51. I mean, I can go on. In fact, few are actually carried out by younger people. few mass casualty incidents and because people are stupid i'll spell it out all of them are sad and tragic but few are actually carried out by younger people just as the fewest homicides are carried out by rifles another important fact as we talk about age i see a lot of And this kind of dovetails in with this topic of reducing age of purchase or or increasing age of purchase from 18 to whatever arbitrary number. I see this constantly thrown out by the moms demand people and the Everytown people and the Giffords people and the, you know, so on and so forth. They love to say things like firearms are the leading cause of death for American children. The CDC, which, as you know, hid their previous studies, and I've linked those. If you get my newsletter at Substack, you already have all this information and you've read it. The CDC hid multiple surveys, multiple studies that they carried out over the years because it disputed their stance on defensive gun usage because defensive gun usage is like four times greater than criminal usage, and they didn't want to, they didn't want to publicize that. So they tried to do, and this is where, and you need to watch out for this, 
They tried to, this is the narrative that they come out with, that the majority of kids, our nation's kids are dying uh, because of guns. Actually, still, cars are the worst. I just actually looked at the latest data for that uh, on a number of, uh, and I'm going to have a separate post about this coming out later today. But uh, this was a couple of different, uh, see, inf- I went, actually, I was going state by state. Uh, in a number of different states like uh, Philly and, or, sorry, Pennsylvania. This was uh, uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia Health Agency. New Jersey I was looking at a number of different states. Uh, automobiles are still number one. Here's where it gets tricky. They try to tell you that, oh, kids are dying all over the, the United States because of firearms. And they define children all the way up until age 19. Now, when you break it down and you look at the data that the CDC gives you, And you look at the crime trends with FBI UCRs, the Uniform Crime Reports that tabulates crime and it looks at demo, it looks at weapon, it looks at age, it looks at area. The majority, like the vast majority, pretty much all of them are drug and gang violence. And they're all older. But the way that they present this is they try to scare you into thinking that school shootings are happening all the time. Which is why they like to say, oh, there's been, you know, 27, you know, whatever school shootings. The number that they're getting, it's the Bloomberg Everytown group, the group that once uh, memorialized one of the Boston bombers as a victim of, quote unquote, gun violence. No joke. They're including anything that happens around the 1000 foot perimeter near a school. Because remember, the Gun-Free School Zones Act list that it specifically states that guns are banned 1,000 feet from, you know, the, the, around the perimeter of a school. So what every town does is any time a crime takes place around a school, that is counted as a school shooting. It could be, and I have in my first book, I think it's my second chapter, I have an entire chapter on this. They included drug deals that were like four blocks away from a school that went wrong. There was a shooting in an apartment complex that was across uh, a four-lane road uh, from a school. They included that as a school. These are legitimate examples. They included those things as school shootings. So they try to inflate the number of school shootings. Then they purposefully skew Because they know that you're not going to go and look at all this hard data. They don't think that you have the time to sit as I have done night after night and look at raw data and and look at the data the CDC gives and look at the corresponding data from FBI and look and, and compare different areas for taken from the same time and also look at at the number of crimes that are attributed to gang and drug violence. They know because you've got dinner to make. You've got kids to pick up. You've got a job. You have a life. You have things that you have to do. So they are playing on that as a way to lie to you, to scare you into giving up your rights. Age, evil doesn't have one, doesn't have an age. Evil doesn't have a sex, a creed, a religion, a a gender, an age, nothing. Evil is evil, which is why it's unpredictable. And it's why you have to be well prepared and understand this. That doesn't mean to be paranoid. It just means to be prepared. And their fear mongering 
isn't going to do anything to solve the problem. Do you know how many fatalities were actually attributed to? And by the way, the number that they're giving out for these uh, for the fatalities for kids, three quarters of those are suicides. The rest are drugs and gang violence. But they refuse to have conversations about mental health. They refuse to have conversations about the breakdown of the family or why people are turning to drugs and gangs. They refuse to have conversations about hardening of the schools. These people aren't serious about solving anything. I don't take them seriously. I don't treat them with any courtesy because they deserve none. Cancel culture is coming to your bank and holding the wrong political views might soon leave you out in the cold. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest episode of The Bill Walton Show, Todd Zwicky, Paul Watkins, and I discuss what is already happening, how the Biden administration is already pursuing this agenda, and what we can do about it. This progressive culture offensive is relentless. It's coming for you, and you won't hear about this anywhere else. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. I love Led Zeppelin. Texas is preheating. It is. Oh, no, today's a cool day. And then it's going to be 11 million 90 degrees every day next week. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here. I'm saying that to you because you're going to hear us probably repeatedly saying it's hot. Complaining like little sissies. That's what we'll do. So Kane and I were conversing on break. And he had reached out to, to Senator Lindsey Graham. Do I need to say the thing, the spiel again about how I don't do gotcha? I just want an honest conversation. Do I have to say that over and over again? Um, I can put it in the email too. No, no, no. I mean, well, yeah, and you can totally put it in the email. Yeah, I'll make sure they know. I mean, it's true. I I think people by now, I mean, we're so close to the show that we we just assume everyone knows that, but I guess they really don't. I mean, you, yeah, the, the people who listen to us every day know this. The people in the chat, which by the way, you can go to the chat and hang out with folks. Great group of people. They know this. All of our listeners know this. So you, Kane reached out to Lindsey Graham about, you know, can you, you know, uh, talk to us about, you know, red flag. This looks like this is going to be something that might go forward in the Senate. And uh, Graham's guy, Kevin Bishop, was like, well, you know, the red flag proposal is a grant to the states, which I know I've written about it a multitude of times and discussed it. And it's not a federal statute creating a national red flag law. I know because it's an incentive to do that. And they're getting and Democrats want to tie police funding into it. So what they're going to do is they're going to hang out bait to the states and say, hey, go ahead and undermine due process so you can get some money. Why don't they do that with school security? They're going to do it with undermining due process, but they're not going to do it with school security. I know exactly what this is. I've read the damn thing. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we come back. Second hour on the way. You don't want to miss. I just want to add that the. There is no research to support the idea that women's gun ownership increases their safety, regardless of whether they're um, uh, in-person violence victims. In fact, studies show the opposite, that women living in households with a firearm are at greater risk of homicide. A study of female intimate partner homicide risk factors found that even for women who lived apart from their abuser, there was no evidence of protective impact from owning a gun. And a California study found that women who purchased a gun died by firearm homicide at twice the rate of women who did not. So welcome back to the show. Second hour of the program. That was just yesterday when uh, Jerry Nadler and the House Judiciary Committee, they were debating the Protecting Our Kids Act, which is a gun control bill. And we're talking about it a lot because that's their they they're debating it in committee. And when everything swings into gear next week, 
things are going to be going to the floor and they're going to be voting on it. And there's been a big old fight on it. The president spoke about it last night. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Friday. Here's where Nadler's wrong. First off, he's citing a study, and I, I went over this in my first book, Hands Off My Gun. You need to know this information. Nadler is citing a study that was conducted by an Arthur Kellerman back in the early 90s. In fact, it was done October 7th, 1993 is when it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. They did this, this um, study where they claimed that having a firearm in the home made it 2.7 times more likely that somebody's going to be a homicide victim in the home and they were looking at women. And it's weird because, you know, there were a number of criminal researchers that had questions about his conclusions. And uh, the most famous of them, because of his tenacity, is Gary Kleck, who is uh, a criminologist who teaches at a university in Florida. And so he and others fisked Kellerman's study. And for years, Kellerman would not release his methodology, which is kind of odd. You know, when you are looking at a survey, you want to see how they came to this conclusion. How did they handle this data? How did, how did they tabulate it? And Kellerman was trying to argue that, well, women should not be armed because they'll be killed with their own gun in their home. And finally, after badgering him for years, Kellerman released his methodology, and it turned out his study was entirely bunk. And the next one he tried to do was the same. He was trying to make the facts fit his narrative instead of having the narrative follow facts. And the irony of all of it is his own study disproved his premise. In fact, his own data, according to Kleck, suggested that for all of the homicides, um, it was like less than 30 some odd percent that happened to be with a firearm from the victim's own home. He was including the homicides of, uh, of uh, or shootings of women who were outside of their home, like criminals accosting them. And trying to and using that to inflate his findings as a way to scare women into not arming themselves. He was he didn't really define in his data set, you know, who all, you know, who are the people that would be living in the home, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, when he looking at his data, Kellerman's data, fatal and non-fatal gunshot woundings. Only 14% of them involved a firearm whose origins were known, meaning a gun kept in the home where the shooting occurred. That's the real story of it. That's what Nadler's citing here. He doesn't know because he's stupid. He's too lazy to read what he's actually citing. Some aide Googled it and gave it to him. This is how these people legislate. Some brain-dead aide handed him some talking points from like, I don't know, the Brady or the Giffords group or Media Matters or who the hell knows. They handed them him some talking points and he's just reading them. He doesn't even know who, he didn't even know what he's talking. He didn't even know who authored the study. It's asinine. 
And so this number keeps being used. This study, this argument keeps being made over and over and over again without anybody acknowledging how flawed it was. In fact, they, I mean, it was just, it's been destroyed. Oh, I mean, it's just been utterly destroyed. But this is what they continue to argue. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Let's just say that it was, in fact, accurate. Would that not be the case for then better training and educating women so that they could be smartly armed instead of just disarming them entirely? Ah, and there is the sexism in this argument. It is sexist. And that's, that's been the argument for a long time. So, in this study, and I'm pulling up, uh, I have a couple, I have a subsequent one here. I don't think we need to go in it because the point's been made. But the point is that women actually save lives and protect their own. And I gave, I had a bunch of examples. I guess he should probably tell this argument to Carol Brown. Carol Brown was a woman who lived in New Jersey. And she was trying to get a firearm because she was scared of her estranged partner. He was violent. He had beaten her, threatened her life. And yet, New Jersey is a May issue, not a shell issue state. And so she had been checking with law enforcement, uh, going to her, you know, her sheriff's department, etc. And checking on the uh, process of her concealed carry. Because you, they have to give you permission to carry. They have to, you have to prove that you have a reason to carry. Like you have to prove that you have a need to exercise your right, which is ridiculous. So she had... Applied to get a permit to purchase a firearm. Was waiting, was waiting, was waiting. Two days before the, what what happened, she was in her uh, police department, was was there in person checking on the status of her application. She was legitimately a domestic violence victim. And when a person files to get a permit in New Jersey, they have to go through this ridiculous process. It's like a 14-point investigation in order to just even be considered. It's supposed to take 30 days, within 30 days, but it usually stretches out for so long that the per- the application expires and you got to do it again. So they, it takes months, typically, to actually be have it approved or even to even to hear that you've been denied so she had filed a restraining order against her ex she was terrified of him and while she was waiting she was stabbed to death in her driveway by her ex she died as a result of being denied her right to defend herself she wanted to train she wanted to 
Carrie and she wanted to be able to protect her life because she can't have uh, the armed security that people like Joe Biden, even Hunter Biden, enjoys. Hunter Biden has he's he's protected by, quote unquote, assault weapons. Carol Brown was stabbed to death in her driveway because New Jersey wouldn't recognize her Second Amendment right. I wonder if Jerry Nadler would be interested in mansplaining his position on women and guns to Carol Brown's family. Just curious. I wonder if if Nadler actually would be interested in mansplaining his position on firearms and women to the woman just, uh, what was it? I think it was the day after Uvalde. There was a woman, she was at a graduation party outside of an apartment building. And they were there celebrating, you know, it's everybody's having their grad parties. They were outside. And some whack job decides to, some evil person decides to show up and he pulls out that much maligned AR-15 and he starts firing. Well, she carries, she drew her twenty-two, and shot and killed him. I don't consider his fatality, I don't count the fatality or the death of the perpetrator, so no one was injured because that woman saved everyone's life. I have story after story about this. There are so many stories of women who protect themselves, and yet this is the stuff that this is what our lawmakers are discussing. Why in the world should women be penalized because a deadbeat mom couldn't keep track of what her 18-year-old was doing? By the way, did you hear that it's coming out that apparently the grandparents were aware that he had a, that he bought rifles? You can't tell me that that grandfather didn't know. That dude is a felon. He's not even supposed to be around guns. He's a prohibited possessor for a reason. Just saying. If it sounds shady, it's probably because it is. Of course they knew. Are you going to go in uh, near your grandparents' house and hide your rifles and all your ammo? But, you know, everyone else is supposed to pay the price. This is what they're debating. They're debating whether or not they think that you are worthy enough to carry. There was a story... Pull this up. There was a woman in, I believe this is Ohio, domestic violence victim. Her husband was trying to beat her to death. Stephanie Swigert defended herself by shooting and killing her husband. And she, in the photos after, she was beaten up real bad. Really bad. Her lips busted. She's got a black eye. She was... Her nose is all swollen. She was beaten up bad. She defended herself with her firearm. I have so many. We could sit here all day. There was a woman uh, recently, North, uh, North Carolina. She was at the Wells Fargo ATM in North Charlotte. She went to get her own money out of the ATM and five men jumped her. Threatened to kill her. She carries... No harm came to her that day. She shot the first suspect and the rest of them ran. No, Jerry Nadler wants more Carol Browns. That's what he wants. That's what, and I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's simply stating fact. 
It's not sensationalism. Sensationalism is what they're doing. I'm simply saying that this is the result of their choices and this is what they want. We have more to come. Headlines on the way. Adam Laxalt is going to be joining us as well. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. One former Walt Disney Studios executive, no one cares, said there's a huge appetite for Johnny Depp reprising his role in Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean, uh, especially after the verdict. Sidebar, why are Republicans, like, posting memes of him? They they did that yesterday. I just, you know, you might want to slow your roll on that just a bitty bit. The right has this insatiable habit of trying to turn the latest person who said something once that was not wrong into like the next messiah for the party. Stop it. Everybody's happy that the verdict is what it was. But remember some of his like previous remarks and stuff. Just saying. Just saying. But I don't believe he was guilty. Anyway, I do think it was dumb that they kicked him out of the Pirates of the Caribbean because they don't have a movie without that, without him in there. He literally was the movie. He was the entire franchise. It was so stupid. Just like most of the stuff Disney's been doing. Uh, Let's see. A lot of discussion about this. Ron DeSantis vetoed the $35 million Tampa Bay race, the Tampa Bay Rays baseball complex after the team had a gun control tweet. And everyone's trying to be like, oh, this is in... This is because they supported gun control, and that's why he's... So why should people's tax dollars pay for a stadium? That's, you know, you got to make the case. You can't just sit here and act like it's because of gun control. you got to make the case as to why taxpayers... And you got to make it good, because you can sit here and all day say, well, you know, you have to spend a little to make money, and the revenue that it brings in is great. Tell that to St. Louisans, my hometown, after our stadium with football. You go ahead and you tell us that, and you see how well that works for you. Coming up. Adam Laxalt, he's running for Senate Nevada. He's going to be joining us next. Stay with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at the Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. So spare me the bull about constitutional rights. The gentleman not be- no, I will not yield, and I'm not going to yield for my entire five minutes, so don't ask again. Ooh, someone was very testy yesterday. That was in that House Judiciary meeting and they were debating the protecting our kids act and it was all fireworks i thought for a moment a slap fight was going to break out actually for a few moments i thought that and normally we don't pay attention too much to some of those subcommittees but i mean they're debating rights and it was this is why it's so important when we look at the people who are running for office and it doesn't even matter if they're coming from your state or not they could have a vote on what your rights are or how they're going to abridge them. That could be their vote. So it's important to everyone. To that point, one of the Senate races, I think it's one of the most important Senate races coming up for midterms is Nevada's Senate race. And this is a weird, it's a weird state because they kind of went purpley blue, but yet people who live there, I've never met a Democrat from Nevada. I've never met a liberal from Nevada. I think they're all lying. I don't, it's a really, it's a red state. And so Adam Laxalt, you all know Adam Laxalt. He's been on the program before. Uh, He is a veteran. He is also a former AG and he is running for Senate in Nevada. He was endorsed. I just I just saw the video uh, a couple of minutes ago. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has endorsed him as he goes up to the primary and then uh, hopefully onwards to the Senate. He joins us now. Sir, good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thanks so much for having me. Of course, congratulations as well on the endorsement. Now, as I understand it, you and DeSantis, you and Governor DeSantis, you kind of, you know, you 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 do remind me of him in a way. Um, I mean, you're in Nevada. He's in Florida. You guys have a history. You guys know each other. And I haven't really seen him actually get out and endorse anyone else. This is rare. Tell me about this. Yeah, well, I've known him for 20 years. And so uh, I think it's the only the only race outside of Florida he's getting involved in. And uh, we we were actually two man bunk mates going into naval officer training. And so, um, look, he, he understands what we're up against. Obviously, no one has been fighting harder at the state level than he has been even yesterday what he did uh with with the tampa bay rays yeah. uh, was consequential and important and uh, he knows that this is the type of senator i'm going to be in the u.s senate we need this next generation we're both 43 years old uh i used to say we had the same amount of kids but now i've added a fourth um we have a newborn baby at home congratulations but, you know this is this is why we're doing this you know we want to preserve this great country Anybody watching your show, I don't need to convince that we are in big trouble. Yeah. And um, look, things are, we're, we're kind of on the march in the last few months. We're picking up some wins on the board and Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and even Bill Maher. I mean, there's some good things happening out there, but uh, we have a country to save and all the work, the hard work is yet to be done. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, every vote mm-hmm. matters in the U.S. Senate. We need people that understand I went on Hannity the Friday, uh, last Friday, and um, said, now is the time we need Republicans to be loud and aggressive, defending our Second Amendment. This is not the time to cower or to hide under the table. You came to my great state multiple times, and you came when Bloomberg was pushing his statewide initiative, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was the face of the No campaign. And, um, you know, the NRA back then was was heavy and involved in trying to defeat that background check bill, private background check bill. And, uh, you know, we, we lost that thing by 6,000 votes it's statewide. Crazy. Those um, are all Californians. But it does, it does show exactly what you're saying, which is we have a lot of great Second Amendment voters across this state. Um, it should tell you something that my opponent, while while she's you know, very aggressive on, you know, running on, you know, pro-choice and a bunch of these issues. She's been very quiet about taking our guns. Yeah, I've noticed Uh, that. She she has not been very vocal this week because we are a Second Amendment state. Uh, People believe in this right and people believe this is something that shall not be infringed. When they're they're quiet, it means they sit there in lockstep. It means they support they support everything that's being said. We're talking with Adam Laxalt. Uh, He's running for Senate in Nevada and a longtime friend. We've talked to him before. We've been out there with uh, some of our affiliates out there in the great state of Nevada. And this is uh, I've talked before about particularly the Senate, how important the Senate is, because right now, with a lot of this legislation, I know they reconvene on the 6th. There are three bills, as I understand it, in particular, two, actually, I think that have the most chance to go into the floor for debate, uh, looking at red flag laws and universal background checks and who knows what's going to happen with the stuff from the House that's passed and will pass. That'll get k- kicked up to the Senate as, as well. It's so close. Um, there could be, I mean, they just need 10 Republican senators and there are a lot of soft on the second Republicans out there. A lot of people think that just because you have an R after your name that you fall in line with the rest of you know the, the the base and that's not necessarily the case you've been a strong advocate and of course not just for 
you know, for life and against CRT and and all those issues, but also for Second Amendment issues, which is which is how I've gotten to know you through that perspective. And tell me a little bit about how important the Senate is, because your race in particular, I think, is like one of two or three, maybe the most important. Uh, we, we might be able we might lose that buffer in the Senate if we don't secure the seat in Nevada. You know, I think people have been lulled into complacency because Manchin has been with us on some really mm-hmm. big votes. Uh, but I've been reminding people for months on months. If you think he's not going to come to deal with the Democrats on a handful of these big things in the coming months, or if you think he's going to hold for two more years, God forbid we don't take back the Senate, that's completely unrealistic, whether it's Build Back Better, whether it's a Second Amendment bill. I mean, you could see him crossing over and giving them the 51st vote. Like you said, we've got got a lot of soft Republicans that want to cave on something like the Second Amendment. And so we need to gain a majority and the map is really, really small. All I can tell your listeners is, are we going to win the House? Definitely. But the Senate, we have no races to flip. We have right. so few races to win. It's really Georgia and Nevada. These are the two races that are, you know, really, really solid flip opportunities. And then there's two others that, that hopefully we can win if things are nice and red. But they're coming at me with everything they have. George Soros just did a $2 million attack ad you know, to close my primary season and, and meddle in our primary, going after me. Chuck Schumer's already spent $2 million before that. And so they understand the gravity of this race. I think our side understands as well. Uh, we're certainly hoping the cavalry starts coming here in June and July mm-hmm. and on through the fall. I hope so as well. Talking with Adam Laxalt out of Nevada, you made a really good point. I think it was on Twitter. Uh, where you were talking about the Department of Education, there's like $100 billion still yet to be spent from the funding that was allocated under that $2 trillion, one, basically $2 trillion is $1.9, trillion, the American Rescue Package. It's amazing. We've had these um, discussions about grants for schools, for school securities. The president said he's not, look, he's not interested in hardening schools in contradiction to the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission, the Sandy Hook Commission as well. $100 billion. What, what is happening with that money? Where is the oversight? I know that schools are allowed some discretion because they know their area better than Washington, D.C. does. But it amazes me that I see things, whether it's security systems or equipment or whatever it is, at a number of different schools around the country, different districts. Why is this money not being spent? Who is in charge of this and, and who can give account to it? Well, let me first just say, you know, we could go Friday I went on a big show and said that Democrats do not want to harden schools. They will not put guns in in legitimate law. Nope, I think we got him frozen. That's not true. And where do you can you source that? And of course, you you are referencing Biden. Mm. Uh, That is the Democrat standpoint. For whatever crazy reason, they will not support hardening schools. And I'll tell you, in my state. There are hundreds of millions of dollars this this Democrat governor is going to be handing out across the state trying to earn a reelection. And it is there are not school safety funds in there. He's got a big, giant slush fund and we should harden our schools immediately. We need real law enforcement agents of which there's plenty of retired that would love this job or off duty. And we also need to make sure, you know, when you go into a school, you need to make sure that, God forbid, something happens. There's an alarm that can go off and people can actually lock individual classrooms. 
with doors that cannot be breached. That shuts down 99% of the vulnerability if you have a classroom that's set up like that. But they continue to go to guns in the Second Amendment. They will not address the root issues. These are the hard issues. These are issues that take time and energy and consistency to fix problems. And, and look, it's a telltale. Whatever the Democrats push, it's a Band-Aid over a problem they've created and a problem they don't want to be part of fixing. You know, we have wildfires here in the West. And what do you see? You've got Gavin Newsom and our governor. They, they do these big press conferences about global warming being responsible for fires. No, it's because we don't have forest management. We're not cleaning up the fuel. And that takes money and that takes energy and that takes leadership. Instead, they want to blame something that that is not going to actually address fires. And so we see this out of them all the time. And uh, all I can say is you've got guys like Ron DeSantis and others that are finally speaking up about individual issues. They're finding ways to go on offense. Our party needs a massive transformation. Yeah. It started under Trump. You know, he got it. He understood we need to fight on these issues. We need a lot more people on the field that are that are representing our party that understand that as well. Absolutely. Talking with Adam Laxalt, I see that you're leading. I was looking at uh, some new polling coming out of your state, Suffolk University, Reno Gazette Journal poll taken uh, in April. And you I'm looking at RCP average. I mean, you're 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 doing well. But I think that complacency people will look at that and be like, oh, it's OK. We don't need to we don't need to do anything. No, no, no. That's what they want you to think. So that means that's when you should engage all the more. I'd love to have you back and talk more because I do think that your race is is probably I think it's like the most important race out there. Nevada is such a it's I kind of look at it as a as a measure of of where we're going in terms of Republicans and Democrats, because that state, a lot of people who maybe voted Democrat, unfortunately, uh, in previous elections, they seem to be so disaffected that they're they can't get to the Republican Party fast enough, which is fascinating. I think that Nevada is a case study for examining, uh, you know, the, the psychology and politics and all of this other stuff. I could talk to you about that a lot, but yeah. we're running out of time. Adam Laxalt, where where can people find you? Obviously on Twitter, but your website. AdamLaxalt.com. Super easy. Same for go. all our socials. And you know, you're right, Dana. We are not a liberal state. And that's the bottom line. People are going to reject these liberal policies, these progressive extreme ideology, and they're going to want change in November. Amen to that. And congratulations. A new dad again, times four. Yeah. So congrats to you and the family. Thanks so Thank much. So Adam Laxalt. You too. Take care. The Dana Show, sponsored by 30 years of game-changing Caltech innovation, like the P50, a new breed of pistol. Innovation, performance, Caltech. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I'm trying to figure out which one of these headlines I'm going to be able to actually read. Because apparently... How do I do this? Okay. This, um, uh, an 85-year-old Florida man visited a special kind of store for adults and made a purchase. And it was a purchase for a... private romance device 
Here, Kane, you look at the sweet little headline and you tell me how to do it. Why do you do stuff? The, like I that? did because it's I like I think you said it perfectly though. I don't think it? I, I don't think it could be improved upon. Okay. So an eighty that gets gets me because he's eighty five. Eighty five year old Florida man. He he visited the store, he purchased a thirty six dollar individual private romance device. Massager. Sure. And it didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so he's suing the store. Now, what gets me about this is, did he not know that something like this is going to go public? I mean, would you rather... I mean, he's willing to face that kind of, you know, like what we're doing here. Right. But for $36. $36. $36. Yeah, did yeah. Juan makes a good point. Did he read the instructions? It's probably some batteries that just weren't in it. I mean, he actually went to small claims court. He apparently the the store doesn't accept returns once the packaging's been open, and he's like, "Look, it didn't work." <laughs> or uh, I don't know. I'm done with the story. I can't. Anyway, they're apparently going to court, and he has no shame. I'm just saying. I've heard of a lot of things being stolen before, but this is real specific. Authorities in Fort Myers are looking for a Florida man suspected of stealing wine and toilet paper. Sorry, toilet. Southern Missouri's creeping in. Toilet paper. Wine and toilet paper from a Fort Myers Publix. Is that the is Publix the big is that the big supermarket in Florida? Because it is always a Publix. It is never a Ralph's. It's never a Kroger. It is a Publix. Every time I got one of these headlines, it's a Publix. So this was on May 26th. He went into the store, and he's an older man, too. I, I mean, he's like a papa age man. He went in, y'all, he got $1,500 worth, $1, worth of items. Multiple bottles of wine, several packages of toilet paper. They're looking for this guy. So you're supposed to call Southwest Florida Crime Stoppers if you see him. But wine and toilet paper sounds like a party. Just saying. Oh, my gosh. I can't read this headline, uh, although it's a it's a legitimate. Can you're welcome to if you want. I put it in Slack for you. If you're you're welcome to read that if you want to. Yeah, you know we don't have enough time. Okay, we look at you. That's we're, gonna right. be, we're gonna go to break. Okay, there you go. Kane's he's too afraid to. It was it was sort of like a parenthood scene. And what? Nothing. You know you remember the movie Parenthood, Steve Martin and Mary Steenburgen Bergen. And after they left the pizza place and he was stressed out. Okay, so that happened, but a woman hit a FedEx truck. Or the guy driving hit a FedEx truck. That's the story. Kane's too afraid to read it. We have third hour on the way. Stay with us. I like it's evasive mm -hmm. to not have the most senior people in the White House willing to say, I had a conversation with the president about it, or I had, or we talked about it in this context or that context. And we're also all reporting on the consumer side of it, of what you're doing, or putting out and trying to get information. But we're also trying to understand the information flow in this White House, and it's important for us to get that answer, which is why we're going to keep asking it no, you, until we get that no, answer. No, you, you have every right to keep asking. That's why I'm here. Look, 
really, Kelly O, he's briefed on countless priorities. Uh, he is the President of the United States. There are regular channels. Uh, he is briefed by his senior White House uh, staff. Um, and that is just the so process that we have. Staff, then? I, I'm, I'm not going to confirm who it was. I'm just letting you know that there are regular channels that we use. Um, and, uh, you know, it's senior, again, senior White House staff that when elevate issues to him uh, when the time comes. And they're just regular channels. Can anyone else hear her inner monologue? Yeah. Because I hear it, and I she so badly wants to lean on the podium and go, look, nobody knows what the hell is going on, okay? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Third hour of the program. It's Sloppy Friday. <laughs> oh, man. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter, Chapter and Verse, over at Substack. You can access it. The link is all up on my profiles everywhere, all my social media profiles. Uh, DanaLash.com as well, uh, where you can... Hit the subscribe link and then check out the YouTube chat. They have uh, they have some good times in there. Nice crew. So that's really what I heard that. I heard her in her monologue. His remarks on that were stunning. They sh- I think more so in the past couple of days than I mean, I look, I know that there are some really crazy sound bites that he has out there, but I th- it really does feel as though more so now, within the past couple of days, everyone else can see that the wheels have not, they've been off the bus for some time. They were just all over the place with their messaging. Biden says something, they have to walk it back. He gets mad. There's the Politico piece where he's, where it's all discussed about how upset he is over being contradicted. Really, it's very fascinating. Listen to this. This is audio sound bite six. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, they have the COVID coordinator. He was asked a question about schools opening, and she was not going to let him. She wasn't going to let him answer it. Listen to this. Doctor, do you believe all schools will and must be open this coming fall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to go. I enforced. Yes, go. Sorry, I'm going to run off. Thank you. Sorry. So I, I got to tell you this. Because I, this was, we were, I, we had the, I had a book signing yesterday and we uh, had the speech and I was watching the, the, uh, waiting for the president's remarks and I was watching what was happening in the subcommittee with the Protecting Our Kids Act and all that. I found out, in fact, it was a soundbite that was shared on Facebook by a friend of mine. We get along. She's, I've known her for years. She's very, she's like a kind of a ride or die level loyalty stupidly progressive stupidly like pronoun level where the pronouns are in her thing still love her she can it's silly and i think in some ways i think she knows it but anyway that soundbite i think she may have just been turned into a republican because that was kind of the last straw and i it's not just her but all of the far left people that she talks with in the comments and everything else. And I see I, I just people that I've been talking with and people who reach out and email every single time something like this comes up. It's, these people are pushed more and more. I can't even actually read the post that she shared because the first word was horse redacted and it was in caps. So you get the gist of it. I can't sh- can't read it. <laughs> but she was livid. And she lives in a state 
where so she's she they, she has three kids and she lives in Jersey and her husband worked in Manhattan for a number of years and their kids were like locked down and all this stuff and they were out of school they did the remote learning she is done and one of her youngest actually was seeing a speech pathologist because he had sp- verbal issues and that I think more than anything she really I mean it it just really knocked any scales off her eyes and she could really see this is exactly what this is what your vote can lead to this is what more control is this is what it's like when everything is administered thousands of miles away in DC and you don't have local control this is you know etc and she was she was like we don't we never they never had any cases in their school I think they ended up having like one and it was a teacher months after everybody went back and she's like they did the social distancing for like ever they were i think they were wearing masks still after every other school had dropped it but it's making people move if they're on the left to the center because this is ridiculous the idea that there is some possibility that anything wouldn't open on time it is endemic the united states i think is one of the only countries that still they don't treat it like that. We don't treat it as that. You go on, if you leave the country, you go on vacation, you got to do tests to get back in the in the country. When I go on vacation, I will literally fly into Mexico if I test positive. I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to enter illegally at the border. I'm not joking with you. I seriously, literally am going to do this. I'm just informing you now. Will I be on cops? <laughs> Grew up watching that show. Audio somebody 18, listen to this. This is the whole point. Uh, this is Dr. Scarves. Scarf. Listen. So I still mask on airlines, but mandates should never be an excuse for not empowering the American people with the knowledge that they need to understand why masks work and why they should be used in certain situations. And I think sometimes we use mandates because we don't want to take the time to explain the science. And- hmm. Kane and I just looked at each other. What? Uh, they please take the time. Please, to, yes, please. To explain the science. Hi, we would like the science, please. Can you take the time for the science? Oh. Do you like the science, Kane? No, I love the science. I would like and science. Some of that with, you know, just, just FYI. I just would like that. More science, less mandates. Yeah, Gemini Christmas. If you. Uh, I just, this is weird to me. The whole thing is weird. But, and then you had, what's his face? Um, oh, gosh. What's the guy's name who was in uh, Labyrinth? Hoggle. That movie was on the other day, by the way. Oh, sidebar. Totally not related to anything we're talking about. If you watch, uh, this is not a spoiler, so calm your britches. If you watch Top Gun Maverick, there is a scene in which Jennifer Connelly is in and David Bowie is playing in the background. Nice. I got major labyrinth vibes. Just saying. The movie had an undue influence over my childhood. Anyway, so what was I saying? Totally forgot. Oh, Hoggle. Yeah. That's right. <sighs> Sloppy Friday. So he was talking a little bit. It's interesting. These two sound bites occurred in the same week within like 48 hours of each other. So this is Fauci on that mask mandate and really what the goal is one of the issues neil that i have i have articulated in the past and i will in the future 
it's less about mandates on the plane than it is about who has the right and the authority and the capability of making public health decisions. And I believe that the Department of Justice is operating on the principle that decisions that are public health decisions belong with the public health agency, in this case, the CDC. So it's more of a matter of principle of where the authority lies than it is about whether or not there's going to be a mandate on a plane or not. Oh, it's about preserving authority. Yeah, I'm the authority. I'm the captain now. I'm the authority. It makes me not want to... You know what? I purposefully will not... I just don't wear a mask. I get, there are some... I'm, I Somebody, even if it's a store, I'll respect your private property, but you'll have to ask me to leave. I'm not going to. I'm not going to wear... It's so stupid at this point. It is so dumb. I have them anyway. I've always had them because I'm a germaphobe. I have thought people were dirty long before this virus ever happened nasty dirty i mean i've i mean just it's no i've we all know all right a few other things that i want to make sure that we're hitting here so we have been discussing the yesterday we had uh the number of americans living paycheck to paycheck we've been discussing this plus all of the uh gun control stuff that the president talked about last night this was weird because he gave that weird address last night it was a weird speech because if you're going to have an evening primetime speech you would think that i was expecting him to say something new but he it was like he wanted to put pressure on uh i guess senate democrats i I, I kind of wonder if it wasn't just aimed at joe manchin honestly uh for not wanting to get rid of the filibuster and then he had the weird speech this morning where he was trying to spin the economic numbers. It just all signals to me that they are terrified of this red wave. Things like this aren't helpful. This is Jerry Nadler from that now infamous subcommittee meetings at the House Judiciary discussing raising the age for purchase. Oh, boy. Listen to this one. Um, we recognize different ages for different purposes. We recognize 18 for the draft. We recognize... Uh, 16 for driving in some states. We recognize uh, uh, 21 for drinking. Um, so we recognize different ages for different purposes. That's, that's all I want to say. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Could I have a second to engage that? Certainly. Would, I'll would, yield to the gentleman from Kentucky. Would, would the chairman join me in co-sponsoring a bill to raise the draft age to 21? No. And, but the chairman feels that their brains aren't fully formed at 18, 19, and 20. It, 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 the, the, the research does indicate that in certain respects, but the Selective Service uh, needs, I mean, if, if, if the country needs people, it needs people. It needs people whose brains aren't fully formed? In certain respects, yes. Uh, I yield back. <laughs> Save this audio for me forever. That's one of the most offensive things I've ever heard. Um, I need a moment. I need some in you because I'm trying to, trying to be of the spirit and have my fruits of the spirit with my words and being tested. <laughs> he, uh, man, Danny DeVito was a far better penguin than Nadler was, than Nadler is. Yeah. I'm, uh, that is one of the most offensive things I've ever heard. Not interested in raising the age of the draft. Ooh, I need a little Orinoco flow. I know it's Sloppy Friday, but I need to imagine myself. On this beautiful river, little Orinoco flow, little Inya, little 
Irish singing here just to calm us all down, get us all back to a place of just, you know, neutral contentment after that horrible, wicked display. Okay, I'm getting all riled up again. (sighs) Breathing exercises, because that was ridiculously offensive. This is why I cannot be in elected office. See, this is why I can't. Thank you, Kane. This is why I cannot be in elected office, because I would have leapt over the desk. It would have been a show. This, I, there are better people who <laughs> have more restraint. Not interested in raising the age of the draft. This is, it shows you their opinion, of, I guess, of those who serve. But you can change your gender, gender and cut your willy off when you're nine, right? Is that right? Apparently. Just saying. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. A new U.S. study says every hour spent watching television on the sofa each day in your 60s, there's a lot of addendums here, raises the risk of stroke by 14%. So if you're in your 60s, every hour apparently raises a stroke risk by 14%. They said people who are sedentary for 13 hours were 44% more to have a stroke. And they studied 7,500 Americans in their 60s. They said people who exercise for about 25 minutes a day slashed their risk by 43%. That's... What if you exercise while you watch TV? Is that a... Mm, I wonder if it cancels it. (laughs) Curious about the science. They're not being sedentary at that point. Uh, This is another reason why I don't like AI. Demonic AI generating its own secret written language. It's an actual headline. It's they said it the the it says demonic AI is writing apparently its own secret written language, generating its own secret written language that nobody can understand. An image AI called D A L L hyphen E has sparked a debate among amongst AI experts who claim it's creating a secret language to categorize images. The words look like gibberish, but apparently have a hidden meaning and it almost kind of sounds latiny but it's not they said they have a research paper that hasn't been peer-reviewed yet but they say um that it's like devilish or something i don't know i don't know or it looks stuff i don't know it's creepy and i don't like it and it's all i don't like i don't like ai i don't even want a robot vacuum in my house i don't even want that little disc it's disgusting i hate it burn them all uh let's see Oh my gosh, Italy's trying to protect their their parma their uh, cheese, their parmesan cheese. Parmigiano Reggiano to help fight the copycats. Stick with us. Listen to the Dana show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We should repeal the liability shield that often protects gun manufacturers from being sued for the death and destruction caused by their weapons. They're the only industry in this country that has that kind of immunity. That is an outright lie. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. That was the president last night and his speech on gun control. And it's an absolute ridiculous lie. He's specifically, I mean, first off, they're not immune to liability from defective products defective manufacturing he wants to repeal it's called the protection of lawful commerce and arms act and so what it is is that if you are it it, for some reason i don't even know why it was necessary to even have this but it is 
apparently, because it just says it re reaffirms what I just said, because so many people try to sue firearms manufacturers for criminals illegally using their product. Like if somebody drunk drunk drives drunk, like, you know, beta, like Irish Bob, beta or work. And, you know, what if it, his drunk driving had resulted in fatalities? Then it, it's like the same as suing an automobile manufacturer. The Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act simply states that, you know, firearm manufacturers, they can be held liable like every other entity out there, every other manufacturer for defective products or misleading advertising, things like that. But you can't you can't sue them for what criminals choose to do with their products. Because then, what are you going to sue? Budweiser for drunk driving or the vehicle manufacturer for the vehicle? I mean, that's the thing. He's, he's, it's an outright lie. An absolute, complete, and total lie. Furthermore, not only is it false, but they're no more shielded from liability, because he tweeted this too, than any other manufacturer for liability from defective products. But you know who isn't? Shield, you know who you know who who is actually shielded from liability? Big Pharma. Now, if he was talking about Big Pharma, then that would be accurate. I've actually written about this. It's uh, it's. A really, really difficult process. In fact, legally, any kind of claims for vaccine injury are capped. And there's a tiny little fund where people can, uh, they can, I think it's only in the past 10 years, I think it's, or no, past 20 years, I think it's like three or four times it's only ever paid out for injuries due to, to vaccines. So all the, and and that's, they are actually shielded. So, his point is false. He's, make, he's lying. It's just a lie. He's just outright lying. This is all there is to it. I, this is why we can't have any... I, you can't have conversations with people who lie. There's no way to have any conver- conversation with this guy if he's going to lie or any Democrat that's going to push this kind of lie. I mean, there are absolute definite things to do, but it's like they don't ever want to do any of it. We, there's, there's, they don't want to engage on mental health. They don't, what they want to do is stigmatize it. They don't want to engage on mental health. They don't want to increase security for schools because they use this stupid, lame excuse. Well, it's just like making it a prison. Yet they go to football games and they go to baseball games and basketball games and concerts that are all protected by multiple layers of security that are far better than what is in your kid's school. And those don't feel like prisons to them. I guess maybe because they value those athletes and rock stars more than they do their own children. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing here. It's just so ridiculous, so silly. It's a silly, lame argument. Now, I had, because he spoke out quite a bit, and I think we've, we've talked a, a, a lot about and I'm sure we're going to be talking more about it next week as this legislation goes through, because apparently the because uh, there's there's the big bill that they were debating in the Senate Judiciary Committee 
yesterday, they were uh, Democrats were asking uh, House leadership to split up the bill. There were 21 House Democrats led by Abigail Spanberger out of Virginia, and they asked the leadership because they had eight separate gun bills that they had in one giant package. And they were asking them, can we separate these eight bills and hold individual votes on each measure? So they want to maximize Republican support for this as they take it into the Senate. So it was a letter that they sent to Nancy Pelosi, according to The Hill. They sent it to Nancy Pelosi, Steiny Hoyer, uh, James Clyburn, and uh, the House, House Judiciary Committee Chairman, Jerry, 18-year-olds don't have developed brains, Nadler. And they said that their measures will get more support from House Republicans if they consider if they're considered individual. They don't really care what House Republicans think. They don't need House Republicans. They have such a they don't need them right now. What they need are Republicans in the Senate. So the whole bill is called Protect Our Kids Act. It's eight bills total in one package. And so it includes raising the purchase age for firearms, period. To 21 outline uh, every magazine basically strengthening storage requirement by this they mean they want the state to be able to inspect how you store your guns they want to better codify uh, trigger engagement which is the bump stock thing they want to ban which already are straw purchases on firearms but they want to ban uh, they want to outlaw being able to make your own firearms at home. They call them ghost guns. They're already federally regulated, but these morons don't know it. That's just some of what they want. So the letter, it arrived, uh, right? Actually, the the letter arrived towards the end of their whole discussion in the judiciary, discussion, their verbal slap fight in the Judiciary Committee. I don't know if they're going to, if this, if they're going to do it anyway, because they, their Judiciary Committee was the, uh, return to Washington so that they could look at that uh, eight bill, the big that the gun omnibus. So they have these Democrats that want to split it apart. So we'll see. They want to nationalize red flag laws. Now we had been reaching out to Lindsey Graham. Kane had emailed while we were on air as well, and Graham was saying, "No, no, no, our because I've read Lindsey Graham's bill. I've written about Lindsey Graham's bill." He once, uh, his person had responded, no, this is, uh, you know, it's a, st- I'm looking for your email, here it is. They were saying that, um, no, it's uh, the red flag proposal, they're talking about Graham's red flag proposal. It's a grant to the states, it's not a federal statute. So, you know, if your state wants, you know, red flag laws, you can have a, you can get a grant to help, you know, basically money. They're going to try to incentivize you reducing, the state reducing its due process by paying them off. And they're like, if your state doesn't want, or want one or have one, then don't apply for it. It's voluntary. Simple as that. I know that. But it's still an undermining of due process. Why in the hell is any Republican signing on to paying a state to do that? Why, why instead, I don't know why they think that this is like such a big, like, oh, no, it's not that. Yes, it is. It absolutely, whether you do it state by state or you have a national law, if it's a federal law, whether you nationalize it, it's still undermining due process. Because you don't get to face your accuser or go to a judge or get your property back or clear your name until after you have been penalized, after you've been punished, after you you are rendered first a prohibited possessor and rendered and proclaimed by a court as dangerous and you're guilty. 
without a hearing then or mental evaluation in most of these state pass red flag laws, which I've read. And then you have to spend and on average, I think there's one state there's like six months is the average. You know how courts are backlogged now? Imagine. Then you, yeah, you have to spend months and a lot of money, your own money, to clear your name and prove yourself innocent in a court of law. That's red flag. That is absolutely it. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a lying grifter. And they should be verbally pummeled out of any association with anything constitutional because they're not. Yes. What did you say, Kane? I replied and I said, look, it's understood. And thank you for that. Dana mm-hmm. understands she's written about that specifically. I know it would be a great conversation, right? I also saw that Democrats may want to tie police funding to it as well, which may or may not be the case. So getting some clarification for the national audience would be definitely the goal. And then a quick question. Is there any plan to do a grant incentive like this with mm-hmm. the states regarding school security by chance? I appreciate your time. So, um, haven't gotten anything back. And you haven't heard yet from Cornyn again either, correct? Hold on, let me check. I haven't checked my email Let's in check. a couple minutes. Let's check. Hang on. Nothing yet. It's interesting because anytime we've ever had him on the program, his office has reached out. Wait, here it is. Uh-huh. Uh, what do we got, they Kane? They said, hey, hey, Kane, sorry, our schedule for the second half of next week is unclear. I'll have to get back to you next week, but I'll have you all on my list. Oh, it's interesting so, because normally whenever we've had him on prior, his office has reached out repeatedly to, to and asked to have him on if he could come on. Right. Because I very rarely, um, unless I want to talk to them about something specific, uh, most of the time I turn politicians down because I don't like people coming to BS and And it's been a long time and, since we've had I think it was, it was last year the mm-hmm. last time we had him. So I'll update everyone online, too, that Cornyn's office still cannot commit to a time where he can join us on air i mean not only are we heard by millions of people around the country coast to coast but we're on a number of affiliates in texas and i live in texas you know cornyn is i gotta decide if i vote for him when his name's up on the ballot so you know i'm just saying i would like to know what's going on with this stuff and he's been a little quiet on this he's they they've been trying to ask and and get some clarification, but I would like some clarification on a lot of these issues. I would like to know where he's standing on it, where he stands on this issue. So, you know, we'll we'll see, but yeah, and so far, and we've been asking, how long have we been asking uh, Cornyn? For a couple of weeks now. It was early week before last, I think. It was mm-hmm. before Memorial Day, or yeah. it was right after Memorial Day, something like that. Well, I'll keep you guys updated with all that stuff and, and whether or not he joins. One last quick thing, and I pulled this over here. So Elon Musk had told executives that Tesla needs to pause all hiring worldwide and cut staff by 10%. He said he's, he tweeted he has a super bad feeling about the economy and that they need to pause their hiring. He didn't say anything about Twitter, but... He sent out an internal email warning of the need for cuts because of the very gloomy economic outlook due to inflation and so much more. And so they, which, you know, really, 
and he sent this out because he demanded everyone spend a minimum. I mean, that should be obvious. You spent, I can't believe you, you're a boss and you have to send this email out to grown adults. You got to spend a minimum. You got to work a full work week. That's a 40 hour work week. Imagine having to like repeatedly tell your employees that they have to come in and actually earn the living that, that you're paying them. Your company's paying them. It's crazy. He goes, he sent this email and he said, had said originally, because he said two emails that were released. Everyone at Tesla is required to spend a minimum of 40 hours in the office per week. Moreover, the office must be where your actual colleagues are located, not some remote pseudo office. If you don't show up, we'll assume you've resigned. And the more senior you are, the most visible must be your presence. And that's true. This is a guy who, who actually put a, made a little blanket pallet under his desk in the factory at uh, Tesla, and he slept there. And then he, he sent this out that... Uh, He's worried about the economy and let's pause, which makes makes sense. Joe Biden was asked about this. He's and he's still a jerk. He said, yeah, lots of luck on his trip to the moon. He scoffed. He's he's and then he started talking about Ford. Remember, every time they've done any kind of green uh, or electric vehicle or green energy, anything. He has every other, uh, he has every automobile fact- manufacturer present, but they never invite Tesla. They purposefully do not invite them. They exclude them. Yeah. he. They will not have them there. Just, I mean, wow. These people aren't serious. This all, they're, they're, it's clown stuff. Good heavens. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. DanaLash.com, right up at the top where it says subscribe, you can subscribe to the newsletter, chapter and verse, which always has good stuff. And there will be more. You always get the prep and you also get some deep dives as well. It's been a busy week. Next week, it's going to be even busier. The Senate reconvenes and then everything kicks off with this legislation, gun control, and more. We're also still waiting SCOTUS decisions. Today in Stupidity, came. Oh, it's our president. He's lying to us again. Listen to this. Since I took office, families are carrying less debt. Their average savings are up. A recent survey from the Federal Reserve found that more Americans feel financially comfortable than any time since the survey began. And the narrator says, oh, that's some BS. But we're going yeah. to the weekend, so I'm not I'm not surprised to hear lies like that from government. Yeah, um, I yeah, it's you can't you can't lie to people when they look at the total at the gas pump. You can't lie to them about how much money they're spending on the grocery bill. It's not going to happen, folks. God bless. Have a great weekend. I'll be back with you on Monday. <laughs>